Hello and greetings everyone. This is uh, Dr. Valerie Simpson. And Elder Daniel Simpson. And we are with Reset Forever Ministries. This is our podcast. And thank you for joining us again this week. Uh, this lesson or this episode is going to be a study uh, in the book of Daniel, the book of the prophet Daniel. And the uh, topic of this week's Sunday School lesson out of Union Gospel Press is three young men refuse to bow. All right, it's going to be found in Daniel chapter number three, verses one, and also eight through 18. Uh, Again, the topic is three young men refuse to bow. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump. We're going to jump right into the lesson. I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Uh, over to our instructor today, Elder Daniel Simpson. All right, God bless you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I want to thank God for this day that he has made. We're going to rejoice, be glad in it. We're also going to teach God's word by his grace and his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So we're going to say a little word of prayer. We always like to invite the Holy Spirit in In this direction and just put all things in his hands. Teaching sessions. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for all things, Lord, this opportunity also to gleam into your rich word, Lord, that we may know the richness of your plan of salvation for humanity. We know you loved us because you sent your Son to be a substitute for us, to be our Redeemer, who shed his blood on the cross, and that we are eternally grateful. So, strengthen us, Lord, as we teach your word, Lord. And that the students, the hearer, be edified in these days of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as Dr. Simpson said, we are in Lesson 10 of Union Gospel Press. Three young men, men refuse to bow. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And we're in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. And it reads, Dr. Simpson. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. The king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and a breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Yes. So here we see King Nebuchadnezzar. He is one of the main characters of this lesson. And we looked his name up in some of some of the um, his characters, some of the things that he would do. His name means Dr. Simpson. Nebo protects my firstborn son. Okay, so Nebo is one of their gods. Yes. So, uh, all right. So that is his fixation. Yes, that's the that's the name that's the the meaning of his name. So his character. Another uh, definition came to mind that I wrote down was may Nebo protect the crown. Mm-hmm. He's fixated on this god Nebo. And that's what his name means. Yes, and we're going to see that illustrated. Yes. And Nebo means, we looked that up also, Dr. Simpson. It means the instrument held to be proper to him who inscribed the fate assigned to men by the God. So that's just telling us that uh, he's he's got rights in his mind. And according to this these teachings of Nebo or whatever their belief system was, 
uh, it is instilled in him based on his name that he is given rights by this God to inscribe the fate of men. He can make decisions on who lives, who dies, and actually, he really does, you know, but thank God for this lesson. We're going to learn something about it. But actually, as we enter into the lesson, we're dealing with a man that is ruthless because in his mind, he's totally persuaded that he has every right by the gods to ascribe or decide who lives, who dies, what their fate is. Well, yes, we can go to Jeremiah chapter 27. Okay. But in this lesson, he would learn who is the, the God's um, as we go through this lesson. But right now, let's go to Jeremiah because Jeremiah got a prophecy concerning King Nebuchadnezzar in first, I'm sorry, chapter 27. Chapter 27, Jeremiah and... Verse 5 through 8. 5 through 8. I have made the earth, the man, and the beasts that are there upon the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto it given it unto whom it seemeth meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, the beast of the field, have I given him also to serve him. And all nations shall serve him, and his son, and his son's son, until the very time of his land come, and then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. Verse 8. And it came to pass, and it shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword and with famine and with pestilence until I have consumed them by his hand. So here is the Lord God. This is the, this Israel. is the true and living God talking here through Jeremiah the prophet. He's speaking through through Jeremiah mm-hmm. that he will use Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he's saying my servant. Yes, he called Nebuchadnezzar his servant, his mm-hmm. instrument mm-hmm. to mete out judgment. Right. He was not an instrument of righteousness. Right. Just not an instrument of not a vessel of honor, but he was a instrument of cruelty and an instrument of punishment. We find that instrument of cruelty back when we go back into the book of Genesis. But he's going to be an instrument of cruelty and judgment. God can use who he wants to use. Yes. But we're going to find out why God will use King Nebuchadnezzar Mm -hmm. to discipline his people, the northern kingdom. Yeah. Uh, Judah. Yeah, yeah. So let's go. So wicked. Okay. Yeah, so let's go to Second Kings. We're we'll gonna do a little reading here. Can uh, lay our foundation before we get okay. to the lesson. Second Kings. Lesson. Second Kings chapter twenty-four. Second Kings twenty-four and verse eight. All right. And oh, are we reading? I'm sorry. Let's go to verse verse two to verse four. Okay, two through four. Of chapter 24. Well, you know, let's just read verse 1 through 4. 
Okay, one through four. Yes. Of Second Kings, twenty-four. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, and the Lord sent against him bands of Chaldees and bands of Syrians, and bands of Moabite, and the bands of the children of Amnon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant the prophets. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah, to remove them out of his sight. This is the reason why. For the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did, Verse 4, and also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not, would not pardon. Yes. So now we know the reason why Mm -hmm. God is going to use King Nebuchadnezzar as an instrument Mm -hmm. to to punish and discipline his people, Judah. I think he chose a very suitable instrument. (laughs) And here's somebody that can really put them under. And not only the king of of, of Judah, Mm -hmm. but the the surrounding nations also, Egypt and some of the other ones that he will use Nebuchadnezzar to discipline them. But we're speaking directly of Judah in this lesson. Judah in this lesson. So, So how did... Dr. Simpson, these three Hebrew boys and Daniel wound up in Babylon. So we're going to go to verse 8 to verse 16. This is our foundation. Okay, so we're going back to the lesson. No, we're we, we still in chapter 24. All right, so 8 through? 8 through 16. Okay, all right, so starting at 8. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign and reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nahashta, and his daughter El Nathan, and oh, I'm sorry, El Nathan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. So he did not repent of anything. So what um, Manasseh did, he repeated it. So he was unapologetically wicked, just like Manasseh. Wouldn't repent. Okay. At that time, the servants of of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, and his servants did besiege it. And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out of the went out to the king of Babylon. He and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers. And the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. And he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as he had said. And he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths, none remain save the poorest sort of people of the land. 
and he carried away Jerusalem and he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon and the king's mother and the king's wives and his officers and the mighty and the mighty of the land those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the men of might even 7000 craftsmen and smiths and thousand all that were strong and apt for war even them, the king of Babylon, brought captive to Babylon. So it seems like he took all of their economy. And their ability to replenish it because he to took the craftsmen and the mighty men and smiths. Yes. Well, so, so he took their resources and he took... And the people who can work the resources. And who could craft them and who could, you know, replenish and be, rebuild it. He said, all of this is and mine. And who can build me a golden image 90 feet tall. Well, he had their, he had their expertise. And all the skills. And their gifts and skills. and Even their gold. And the gold. He took that. So he took what they had, what God had given them. These, crafts, these craftsmen and these smiths were gifts to the kingdom. Yes. And, you know, of course the gold was. He scraped all of that yes. and took it away for his purpose. And the mighty men of valor. Which valor, means those that valor. were ready for war. So those that were able to defend, he took them too. Yes. And also he took um, the might of the land, which would be engineers and people and scientists mm -hmm. and people who could, you know, mm -hmm. rebuild or start a whole new economy exactly. somewhere else. And so I think that that shows a lot about how great and how powerful and how much authority and force <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar had to just come in, not just to come in there, but to take it. He had the ability to not only threaten, but to carry it out. He took it. And with all of their might and with all of their valor and all their strength and weaponry and wisdom, he had the ability to overthrow all of that. Yes, but we read that in Jeremiah who prophesied mm -hmm. gonna he's going to be an instrument in God's hand. So if he was going to be an instrument in God's hand, God probably had something to do with him being able to overthrow all of this. Yes. He enabled him. So, you know, nothing can happen without God, right? Power belongs to God. So before they were able to do all of this, if God had not empowered him, yes. chances are he would have came up against all this might, strength, wisdom, and so forth, and not... Uh, been successful. Yes, and we know the reason why God allowed it because of the sins of Manasseh that God would not pardon. And that he would not pardon because he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And there's, you know, not just bloodletting occurs when you cut someone. It means when someone is injured and it causes weakness because when your blood goes out of you, you get weak and you die eventually. Well, we know Manasseh was the one who sacrificed children to. We know idols. that was his. That was the the actual. But there's also a um, virtual, yes. or there's a literal uh, meaning behind it. Um, there are some other definitions behind it that we need to look into the very spirit of what's being said here. Those that bring death upon innocent people. So God said he would not pardon it. So we've got this vicious, fierce man and empowered him yes. to overthrow them. All right. And also, let's go to Psalms. Let's get this choir of this orchestra out of the way. Psalms 1, 
37. Now, have we read that in the lesson yet? No, well, we haven't read it. Yes, but for the foundation, we're going to establish that we can always go back to our foundation. Psalms 137. Yes. And what verse? Verse 1 through verse 6. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Yes, that's it. Okay. See. Mm -hmm. Because the reason why I wanted to include this into the one, uh, part of our foundation of this lesson, mm -hmm. because this is what this king, Nebuchadnezzar, is required of this orchestra to do. Mm-hmm. After he set up this golden image, mm -hmm. 90 feet high mm -hmm. and 9 feet wide mm -hmm. in the plains of a place called what? Dura. Dura. And we looked up Dura, Dr. Simpson. And Dura means what? It's a circle. It was like an outside theater. Amphitheater. An amphitheater. And it, had, it was a walled place. Mm -hmm. So when this orchestra would play these these songs of Zion, of Zion. these instruments will play, you would get this phenomenal dynamic of the music yes. reverbing, reverberating, and just resonating. And so music is powerful. It is a language without words. Even without words, music is a language and it addresses the soul and the spirit of men. Uh, music reaches a part of the brain that word does, words do not understand. But when that music gets in there, it kind of begins to turn the spirit. So this is <laughs> this is quite a setup. Yes. This is quite a powerful setup. And we don't want to forget that when they come into this place, they're overwhelmed, right? How can we sing? How can we sing? And then but God speaks back because we know that God is speaking in this song too. If I forget you... Let my tongue cleave to the roof for a mouth. And, and, and this is what I love about these three young men who's mm -hmm. going to make this stand mm -hmm. and going to stop this worship right here and right now. Even though the orchestra are in place, because no doubt they had fear for their lives, but God had three young men who would make a stand and wasn't even careful how they was going to answer that king. Well, you know what Jesus said? You know, he said, you ought to fear God rather than men. You ought to. But these people shuddered at this man because, this man because he could have them physically destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, the furnace was right there on the ground because that's probably no doubt what the craftsmen yeah, used. Won't be any days in between. You're going yeah. to know right now. Yeah. This, is, this is your fate right standing here for you. Yes. Because that's one of the instructions that he gave these people that came to Dora. And that was part of the intimidation, you know, to get people to bow. Yes. It was more of a, a, a uh, it was more of a, a reason for you to submit to, to, you know, to give in to it. Because, hey, number one, this man is crazy. You know, as we, you could say it. 
He was really crafty. And plus, he was in the hands of God. And God was empowering him. But then also, you know, if not, look just look a little further to your right or to your left or whatever, wherever this, this is what's going to happen. Yes. You know, we may as well, you know, go along with the program here. To save our lives. To save your uh, skin for skin is what, what the devil told God when he wanted to destroy Job. He said, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give for his skin. And we see that these people, to save their hides, <laughs> they were going to give in, but God had three. Yeah, three and we're not, we're not even in that ballpark with these people that were so scared. Okay, so we laid our foundation. Okay, so now it's let's go back. It's a good foundation. So with that foundation, yes. We can go, go to our to, lesson. Go to verse 8 of the lesson. Okay. It says, Wherefore, at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Okay. So who was these Chaldeans? Okay. They had a, I looked at the Chaldeans mm-hmm. the definition and they was astrologers and magicians. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Daniel 1 and chapter chapter 1. Magicians and astrologers. Okay, so Daniel chapter 1. And verse 7 through verse 20. Just these three, four verses. Okay, Daniel. And this is... Okay, chapter 1. Verse 17 to verse 20. Okay, 17. As these four children... Uh, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah therefore stood before, stood there before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. That's, that's it. Okay. Well, we might as well finish. And Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. Yes. So as we can see, these three, these three young men, now we got some names to them. Because... Says four children. Yes. They was ten times mm-hmm. wiser than the Chaldeans. <laughs> magicians and astrologers. So these are individuals that had been raised in Jerusalem uh, under the Judean under law and they had been raised by you know the words and the teaching and the wisdom of God all their life now he comes and carries them away because obviously they're among the best of the best he carries them away and he takes them up to uh, Babylon and when they get there he tells he puts them into school Three years. For three straight years to be instructed, indoctrinated, have this information infused into them, forced into them, probably intense, intense. You know, you have uh, some courses that are more intense than others in these because they were so brilliant, they probably had it enforced in such a way. And so they were learning for three years. And at the end of the three years, they 
were put before the king and those that had been in this all their life knew nothing else were in these classes too. But these men were so brilliant. These children, four children, where they were men now, as you say, were so brilliant and competent and blessed and gifted that they were not just at the top of their class. They were 10 times better. 10 times better. Even with everything that they they had learned, they were able to master what was put before them. Okay? Yes. That's just how God does when those who are faithful. And and this is what we understand, Dr. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Simpson. God knows the end from the beginning. He declares it. <clears throat> and one thing I love about these three Hebrew boys, they lived out and walked out the character of their Hebrew names and not the new names that the master of the unit gave them. Well, you know, and that's the sad part that I find. Because the real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Yes. But who do we, when we talk about the Hebrew children, who do we call them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That stays in our mind to this day. As opposed to their Hebrew names and the character that is described in those names and they what they displayed and demonstrated that character of those Hebrew names but we still call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but this is really Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and this is one thing I found out uh, about the Chaldeans (laughs) now in chapter Mm 2 Daniel and his companion saved the Chaldeans from utter destruction you know, when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he called them in to interpret the dreams and they interpret. could not interpret his dream. Interpret. Interpret his dream, thank you. Mm-hmm. And they could not interpret the, the dream. dream. Mm-hmm. And Daniel and his companions prayed and God gave Daniel the understanding of the dream what and was they were all happen? spared. Yeah, because he was going to, you know, that's how vicious he was. Remember, he had, according to the gods and the name that was given him, he had the right to determine the fate of all men. So his fate was, you know, tell me what my dream was. Matter of fact, you know, don't just tell me what it means. Tell me what I dreamed. Dream. You know, he was having a bad day. He was having, he was, this just shows you how fierce he was. Tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what it means. Yes. So he put them to the test. And that's what he did. And they were going to be destroyed. Yes. If you go to Daniel 2 and 2, that's okay. what it says. All right. 2 and 2 says, then the king commanded to call the magicians and astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. See that? Come now, and show, tell me what I dreamed. Yes, and they couldn't do it, and Daniel interpreted the dreams in chapter... Interpreted. Thank you. Interpret the dream in chapter... Sorry. In verse 27 and 28. Okay. And these are the same Chaldeans now accusing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I, I want to say this, you know, we, we've, we've read other stories, you know, like the Witch of Endor and so forth. And a lot of things can be revealed. A lot of things can occur in the spiritual realm. But God was so in control 
that he allows what he allows and he blocks what he blocks. So even though they were astrologers and sorcerers, you know, given over to the devil, even in the hands of the devil, and even though they had all of the, this wisdom and knowledge, you know, the astrologers were, but the sorcerers were different, um, they could not even <laughs> with, you know, that advantage over just, you know, human ability as uh, sorcerers, they could not even come up with anything. All they could do is stand there before the king. God is awesome. Yes. He knows, like Esther said, who knows, or Mordecai said to Esther, who knows if you came to the kingdom at such a time as this. Yes. So read verse 8 and then verse 9. Of chapter 2. Of the lesson. All right, verse 8 and 9 say, Wherefore? At that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Verse 10. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psalteries, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. So we know what a decree is. Mm-hmm. According to the, the Medes and the Persians. It is an order, an ordinance. Once, yes, once they write a decree. And sign it with that signet ring, yeah, it, it cannot be reversed. Yeah. So once it's out there, that's it. You better make sure that this is what you mean because if it's out there, you have to, you have to hold to it. Yes. Okay. So now. They came and made it an accusation yes. against the Jews. All right. Against these three young fellows. Mm-hmm. So let's go down to verse eleven. And what's and whoso falleth not down and worship? Now he's telling them what your decree is. Whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just gonna call names. Yeah. <laughs> These men, O oh God, have not, O oh King, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Yes. So now you know he's probably just getting more and more infuriated with every word they speak. So now, because we see in verse twelve, Doctor Simpson. They got three accusations, accusations against accusations against them. Against them. Okay. Number one, mm-hmm. they have not regarded the, they don't regard the king. Okay. Number two, they would not serve thy God. Mm-hmm. And accusation three is, they won't worship the golden image with thy set up. Okay, so you're nothing to them, and they don't care nothing about your gods, and. This golden image that you set that you set up, they're not worshiping it. So they have just really, um, you know, broke the law in every possible way, in the worst way. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the worst thing you could do, the worst offenses you could possibly commit, they committed them. Yes, and this is what I like about these three Hebrew mm-hmm. young men. Mm-hmm. They got Babylonian names, right. Shadrach. We know what Shadrach means. Command of Aka. Yes, okay, Aku. 
are cool. Okay, thank you. And that was one of their gods? Yes. Okay. Meshach means who is like a coup. So again, you know, it's like no, there's no God like Jehovah for us, you know, as they say. Okay. And Abednego is servant of Nebo. Okay, so um, call me, you know, I am a child of the king, in yeah. other words, in our own terms. I serve Nebo. See, so they have these uh, Babylonian names. That mean these things. That means these things. But they're not living. They're yes. living contrary to it. But they'd rather live, and this is what I love about these these young men. Hananiah means God has favored. So that's his real name, Hananiah. Yeah. God yes. has favored. And that is a, uh, like, you know how he declares the end from the beginning? And before he was born, he was already, he already had favor on yeah, God favor. because God already knew what he was going to do favor. for him. Yes. He knew that he was going to get God the victory and, and the glory. All right. And Mishael mm-hmm. is who is what God is. All right. So in other words, it's totally contrary to the other ones where they were yeah. saying who is like a cool. In other words, who is what the God. living God is. Yes. Who is. And they have these convictions in their spirit. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, and then Azariah, Azariah. Is, is Jehovah has helped. All right. Already. And that's a prophecy. He has helped anyway, you know, even though they're down in the land of Babylon. He has helped. My, my name still me. I'm not going to change my name because you know that's what Naomi did, right? She said, my name is, call me Mara. I'm bitter. She, they didn't change their name even though they were down there. They still stood for what those names meant. It seems, Valerie, that the gospel was already written in their heart. It was, it was, you know, upon the fleshly tables of their heart. Nobody had to tell them. Nobody could overthrow them. When you have the true love of God in your heart, it cannot be overthrown. It cannot be compromised. It cannot be bartered or traded. You will not waver. But they had the kind of love that could not be overthrown. Even though they're living in Babylon, which Mm -hmm. is an idolatry city, idolatry place. Well, it was kind of like a Mecca, the idolatrous Mecca, because remember, he was to rule over the whole world. That's what we read in Jeremiah. And here's something, as we read in Jeremiah, and here was a case where, and today and now we're going to worship this golden image. So here you are going, escalating into another level of idolatry. But you got these three young men here that are not following protocol. They're out of compliance. They're not going along with the program. They just like they're just like um, Joshua and Canaan. What did God say? They had a different heart yeah. than the other Caleb. Yeah. Than the other spies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an excellent spirit, perfect, perfect. Yes. They saw the giants in the land. Yeah. They saw what they was up. Just like us. everybody else, but they in in their heart and their faith and their knowledge, I think it has a lot to do with a person's relationship with God. You know, because some people find it hard to believe God to if he doesn't hurry up and do something, I got deadlines and if God doesn't but other people are like, Well, it doesn't matter. The deadline can come and go. I've got God who has made promises to me and who I am committed to no matter whether he does or not. And this is what we're going to find out. They're committed to him whether he comes through or not. Yes. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to get an answer to his question. Okay. And what God will deliver thee out of my hands? Okay, since you want to, since you, I'm glad you asked. 
because we're going to let right. him show you. Yes. We'll let him show you. you. Matter of fact, you'll get a chance to look on him for yourself. Because we have to realize Nebuchadnezzar was was a, we know he was an instrument that God was going to use. Yeah. According to what he was his it. servant. Uh, that was what Jeremiah prophesied. Yes. God was using him. But Jeremiah did not know the Lord God Almighty. Jeremiah did not know the Lord. I'm sorry. Thank you. Nebuchadnezzar did not. Thank you for correcting me. That's okay. Nebuchadnezzar did not know who the Lord of Israel was. Well, he had never been taught. Yes. He had never been uh, exposed to that. It's kind of like Jonah going down to Nineveh. He said, Jonah, they don't know their right hand from their left. But God was so merciful. Yes. And look at God being merciful to this vicious man who would have your head taken off, have you tossed into a furnace, who would have you destroyed at, you know, at the least little thing. It seemed like he had no control over his spirit, his anger or rage. He didn't have to. He was the most powerful man on the planet. But God has mercy on this man who never heard of him had never, well, we don't read where he had heard of him before. And we don't read where he had any exposure. That's why he acted like he did. And sometimes that's why people act like they act. Because they've never been taught better. So God's going to show what he does in a case like that. So let's look at the three accusations. Accusations, that okay. the Chaldeans have levered against Levels. Shadrach, Meshach, and yeah. Abednego. Yeah. They said they regard... The not regard means to look toward thee with respect. They say in the king, they don't even respect. It's kind of like they're turning or your decree. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna look another direction. We're turning our nose up. We could care. We know say what you want to say. We're not trembling. We're not you know giving any kind of apology to you. It was, it was as if they thumbed their nose at. Yes, they knew that the, the decree was written and it was sealed. Mm-hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could read the Babylonian language. They, they, went to school all, they for knew it. there was no turning around. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because they had been trained in yes. that language. Okay. So the second accusation was accusation. They serve not thy gods. Okay. And, and that then, means to pay to pay reverence or to bring an offering right. to this golden image. Right. Neither did they come and offer obeisance or give yeah. oblation. That's, That's worship. Mm -hmm. That's worship. That's the third accusation they won't even worship they don't come and they don't bow down they don't offer any kind yeah. of, of, of of respect or exhortation or they anything. don't lay prostrate exaltation to to your go to image none of these things they just discard him just like he's nothing at all so these weren't really accusations let's go ahead and read the third one first the third accusation worship Okay. Lord, worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Okay. So now these are really not accusations. They're saying accusations, and they are, you know, coming from their heart. They're accusations. But to the believer and to the committed in God and to those that love God, they're really testimonies. Yes. They are not giving any kind of consideration. They're not worshiping. They're not bringing offerings and sacrifice and they're not bowing themselves. Those are testimonies. And what testimonies are they testifying about? It's the first three commandments mm -hmm. in the Ten Commandments. All right, let's read those. Let's go to Exodus 20. chapter 20. Yeah. All 
I didn't think about that one. They had it written in their hearts. I think the first four deal with God, yes. command, and then the last six of those ten deal with God, man's relationship with man. Okay, so 20 and verse number... Okay, it says, Then the children of Israel, even the whole congregation of the desert of Zin, and the first month, and the people that abode of Kadesh, and Miriam... Where are you at? Oh. Oh. Sorry. Numbers 20? No, Exodus 20. Yeah, that was the wrong book, wasn't it? Right chapter, wrong book. Sorry, everybody. Okay. So where am I at? Okay. Number one, verse number one. And God spake all these things, all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Okay? First commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Second one, thou shalt make unto thee no graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Number two. Number three, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. I'm going to stop right there. So, those were all those first three commandments in a row. Mm -hmm. See how the devil works? He just lines it right on up. We're just going to get, we're just going to turn you against God. And that's Satan's pleasure, to turn the people against God. Especially God's people Mm -hmm. who have a covenant with God. Yeah. And who was given you know, the responsibility, if you will, mm-hmm. to give God these this worship. Mm-hmm. And and remember how he says in Romans, when they knew God, they worshiped him not as God. Um, so it's not like they didn't know, you know, when you talk about those in Romans. So as you said, those that have a covenant are those that know God. But if you know God and you've had that experience with God, that means you have a relationship with God if you know God. Those are the ones that are to be punished with a great punishment. Because if you know him, you should worship him. That's what worship means. Worship. I'm giving you what you're worthy of. So and they were, and in this book, we're finding out he was, they were holding on to their faith. And that was their faithfulness. To even, the living God. Even unto death. Even unto death. That's what Revelation said. Revelation said, be, be faithful, faithful even unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. And they hadn't even had this book of Revelation no. yet. But it was so, already written in their heart. It was in their heart in such a way. This is a real testament. And this is what I love about them. It was written in their heart. And as you said, Dr. Simpson, they went to school for three years in the Babylonian university, if you will. Mm-hmm. And God had made them, gave them wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge they was 10 times smarter. And that shouldn't have been the case because those others, all they knew all their life was that. But this is God's favor. Like Hananiah names me, God has favor. He can make you excel. Yeah, he can and cause favor, you to excel. That and, is favor. And because him, because Hananiah and his three friends include Daniel, Mishael, and Azariah was so tight that the favor fell on all of them. And we know Daniel got caught in the first chapter of Daniel. The eunuch, he had 
favorite with Daniel. He just loved Daniel. So Daniel, Daniel said, "He said with the spirit vegetables. of the living God is yeah. in you." They recognize that. Yeah. How how are we gonna recognize it when you're acting like everybody else? So, but you know, they, Daniel had such a persona. He had such a lifestyle. You know, the Bible calls it your conversation. He had such a lifestyle, and plus, God was displaying His Himself through Daniel in so many ways that this man's heart just, you know, wrapped around Daniel. He had favor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And his friends. And we know Daniel names mean God is my judge. God is my God judge. Judge. Mm-hmm. judge. Mm-hmm. And his friends, I just love them. And I love their the spiritual meaning of their names. I do too. And how they walked it out. Yeah. Lived it out in oh, a yeah. strange land. And you know, it wasn't like it was even with a strain or it wasn't a they weren't in protest. Well, we gotta, we gotta be faithful under that. No, they were. They delighted. You know, the scripture says, "I delight." David said, "I delight to do Thy will, O God." Well, they delighted in God so that even if it was going to cost their life, our God is able. And even if He doesn't, we still will bow. So we are not going to bow these three commands. That's a. That's a. a that's quite a testimony right there. Yes. So let's move a little further. All right. Verse 13 of the letter. 13 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Now we know that the king did have a rage. He did have a, like you oh, said. Oh, he was furious. If you go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 12, you can read. 2 and 12? Yes. Okay. 2 and 12. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the reason why I put that verse in this lesson, just to show you how impulsive this king could be. How impulsive he could just flip in any second. Well, you know what? We don't want to lose because we're getting close. So we're going to take a break real quick and then we'll be able to complete those other verses. All right, stay with us. Thank you for hanging in there. All right, so we're going to go ahead and pick up where we left off at before that quick break. And uh, I think we were talking about Elder Simpson, the fury of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. He was one of the kings that had, like we stated before, impulse. Impulse. He was kind of a hothead. Yes. Bad temper and fury and just, you know crush he's kind of uh i say sociopath because he didn't have any feeling or mercy for people it was all about his purpose and what he said and what he declared and he could go into a rage easily so now these accusations he won't he doesn't regard you he doesn't worship your gods he won't they won't bow at this golden image and now this man is so visibly infuriated we know the next step is not good naturally speaking for the children 
these these three Hebrew children. So let's go to verse 14 of the Sunday school lesson. All right. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Question mark. Oh. And it seemed like he was surprised because he said, Is it true? What? Oh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Azariah. Because they were brilliant. Yes. They were brilliant. You stood before me and we communed with, and you. You had favor. You were. Ten times as smarter. Is this true? So it wasn't cynical. It wasn't a rhetorical question. It wasn't rhetorical at all. It was a surprise. He's stunned. Yes. He is definitely uh, frustrated, but he's stunned. And in verse 15, he's going to give them a chance. Okay. And he says, now, if ye be ready. Give you another chance. That at what time you hear the sounds of the cornet, cornet, the flute, the harp. Sackbutt, psaltery, and dulcimer. And all kind of music. You fall down and worship the image which I made. Well, but well, you worship well, not. Mm-hmm. Let's stop right there because okay. let's look at these. Well. Let's look at these five instruments. Okay. The first one is the what? Okay, the first one is the cornet. I looked up the. I looked up for my for, for my my audience. I looked up all five of these instruments. Okay. That's what I do, Doctor Simpson. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued like that. I have. I'm trying to, to get an image and an yes. understanding what what we're talking about. And when we looked up the cornet, it says a a horn. It had a clearness. Of its sound, mm-hmm. and it was noted that that during the the festivals of the atonement, this cornet was sound throughout the land to prepare people that the day of atonement was approaching. Okay, I played festival. that. It's like a it's like a clarinet. Yes, I played it in high school, and it does give a very clear, distinct sound. Yes not the easiest thing to learn how to play, but it does give a very clear, distinct sound. And um, in their ears, that, that, that a trained Hebrew ear, it, it, it is a call or beckoning to atonement. So a totally different meaning is being raised up. Remember when we were talking about it, there are parts of the brain that don't understand the words, but they know certain sounds and it takes them to certain places. And this is what this clarinet was speaking to them. The Day of Atonement, the time of gathering together. Yes, because the Day of Atonement was very important yeah. in Israel. And, and, and still today, they have it. The holiest, they call it the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, Kippur. So on the Day of Atonement, that's when the high priest, once a year, went into the most holiest of holies and offered up an atonement. For their a blood sins. Blood sacrifice for the sins of the nation of Israel. And when, when you walk out of here, you are you are clear. You're cleared with God. For another year. For another year. And Manasseh, King Manasseh, mm-hmm. what he did was he shed 
the temple down. So they couldn't even do that. And that's why their sins was before them and God couldn't pardon them. And that's the reason why they're in Babylon now. Babylon. Yes. Yeah, because of NASA. So this sound is probably bringing back, oh my, this is something that, and they were too young to remember a lot of that, you know, because they were young. I mean, you know, because how long was it shut up? 20 years? The whole 40 years. The 40 years. And how old were they? So we don't know what part, you know, of um, this 40 years that it was in. But nonetheless, um, to the trained Hebrew ear, that was the time that it was the holiest day of the year to go in and to be atoned and forgiven and to have all of your sins and transgressions covered by this, covered by this blood. And it would be that way for a whole year. You're straight with God. Yes, and the whole congregation would be outside of the temple, mm-hmm. worshiping, mm-hmm. while the high priest went in there and made atonement for the sin. That we're getting, yes, you're giving us, you're giving us another chance. You're giving us atonement. Okay. So the, the next instrument they used was, was the flute. The flute, okay. And the flute were in common use among ancient Egyptians. Okay. So now, King Nebuchadnezzar, in this orchestra. Mm-hmm. He got a mixed congregation. Okay. He got the Hebrews playing it, the clarinet, and now he got the flute. Was it his people playing it, or, he, or did he have different people called in to play it? Or were these just instruments they were using? These are instruments they were using. We just read Psalms 137 mm-hmm. when he had the No, I'm just talking about the part about the mixed congregation. It's just instruments they were using that were recognized these was professional um, musicians. Musicians, yes. Okay. And the next, the next <laughs> one, which we know is the harp. Okay, which is uh, I, I tell you that harp. If you can ever get a chance to hear that harp in per in person, it is the most beautiful thing you'll ever remember hearing. Um, there's something about the sound of a harp that draws you. It's it's it's. It's like unconsciously, un-effortlessly, un- it just pulls you in. So the harp, all these beautiful sounds, and remember, they're in this amphitheater. Yes, yeah, so you so go to Revelation chapter 14 and okay. verse 2. Revelations 13. 14. 14. Okay. And 2? Yes. 14 and 2 says, And I heard the voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of great thunder and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps yes that, that, that those harps it said voice of harpers speaking to me this harp is talking to me it's yes. communicating with me it's see it's a, it's a, a, a melodious thing but um, music is powerful and it speaks to the spirit it speaks to the soul. You can be somewhere and hear music, and it can appeal to you. You find yourself just low. That's why they pay play it in, in department stores. Or you can find yourself just patting your foot because music is pleasant. It speaks to the spirit. So here he said, I heard the voice of the harpers harping their harping with their harps. Yes. That tells you that that was a very And if you go to the next verse, it's going to tell you, with their heart. And then verse number three. Three. And they sung 
as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man can learn the song but the hundred and twenty, uh, the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. See, all of these musical instruments, you can see how the enemy is trying to get worship. They said no one could sing the song except for those redeemed. because they couldn't relate. Yes, they had to <laughs> So the next musical instrument was the sat button. Okay, that one. And that was a, 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 a serious string there. instrument. Yeah, and some, so some believe it's a bagpipe. It's a, a stringed instrument. So there's a little bit of a, well, a little bit of indifference there. But at any rate, it was another very, very powerful instrument. But it was not one of the instruments that the Hebrews had played. And then we got the, the psaltery. And we know that was the violin or translated vowel for violin. Okay. And then we got the one that, you know. Oh, oh, the dulcimer? The dulcimer. Okay. Now let's go to First Chronicles. First I got Chronicles. it. You got it, okay. Um, chapter 15, verse 28. Okay. Now these are some of the instruments that David used when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem from Obadiah house. Yep, he was bringing it back from Obed-Edom's house. Okay. Yes. The verse um, 28 of 1 Chronicles 15 said, Thus all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shout, and with the sound of the cornet, the trumpet, with the cymbals, making a noise with the psaltery and the harp. And it came to pass as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David. As we know, David worshiped God mm -hmm. at this time. And worshiped him with all his, of his heart because they tried to bring it back before and they couldn't bring it back because they didn't do it God's way and because they didn't. Death had to come upon Uzzah and now they're getting it back. So he danced with all of his heart to get yes. it back. How long has it been gone? 20 years, was it? Yes, as long as King Saul was, was 20 it? years plus. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so this is what King Nebuchadnezzar is now trying to give the Hebrew boys a second chance to fall down and worship this golden image that he has set up in this amphitheater in the plains of Dura. Oh, this is all being played out in worship service. So it's like we're having church right now. And excuse me, uh, King, you got three people over here that won't won't act right. <laughs> And so he's, what? Is it true? Now they're all ready to go into worship. Uh, is this true? Now I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you an opportunity. When you hear this, you need to bow down. And if worship. not, okay. So you got this music, supposed, as we know. Is the signal. Yes, and it ushers into worship. Mm -hmm. But these three Hebrew boys is like, no. There's no anointing in that. It was just yes. music. It, even though it was beautiful instruments, it was no anointing in it. Yes. So it goes on to say, um, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made mm -hmm. well. But if ye worship not, and if you don't, we're in verse 15, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, 
fiery furnace. And you don't have all night to pray about this. You don't have time to get in touch with your God. Say goodbye to your friends. In this very same hour, you'll be in that furnace. If and you don't. who is that God that shall deliver you out of my now, hands? Now, let's see. Because you are on, I'm, and I mean it. So if you won't worship our gods, tell me who the God is that can deliver you from this. Oh, glad you asked. But didn't, um... Michelle named me who is like who is like uh, Jehovah his name means this who is what God is mm-hmm. well King of Nelson found out find out well he asked yeah. who is that God and, and this is something that he's never known all his life but God is just God is just God in a very wonderful way here. Yes, and God had to reveal himself through King Nebuchadnezzar by these Hebrew boys making a stand. Yeah, to them. He reveals himself. You know, all of these have, these things happen for Nebuchadnezzar to get a revelation of God. All right? So verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Verse 17. One translation said like this. Okay. We do not need to defend ourselves. What translation was that one? Oh, the New Living Translation. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. I like that. Who are you? And this is what I like about this. They knew. I think think you should make a point of that. People do try to defend themselves to people. You know, try to get their affirmation or their... Their acceptance. Or give them a long explanation. Yeah, or try to get them, you know, to accept them, you know, because it makes them feel better that they're accepted by this person. But look at what he says. We're not careful how we answer you, and we don't have to defend ourselves before you. Yes. And they knew that they was going to be going into the fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. They knew it. And then I don't see a protest. I don't see a fight. There's not a knockdown, drag out. They're not having to... Uh, tie anybody up and wrestle them into the furnace. They just go right along. Okay, verse 17. Okay, 17 said, If it be so, mm-hmm. our God, God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand. Even if he delivers us day. by burning us up in the furnace, we'll be out of your hands. But... If not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Be it known. If he doesn't, if we end up in that furnace, make sure, let it be known. We didn't worship your God or worship that thing you got up there made of gold. That's a lesson. So let's just read the rest of this chapter. Okay. So we can get a clear understanding of how God delivered them and what Nebuchadnezzar got a revelation. So that's uh, Daniel 3 and... 18. So we go to 19. Okay, let's go to 19. Okay. All right. And 19 says, but... We read 18. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury... And the form of his visage was changed. So his facial, I mean, he probably, you know, people get mad and they turn red. 
you know, and then, you, you know, your nostrils flare and your eyes squint, you know, some kind of way. He was visibly, his visage was changed against them. It wasn't like smiles. It was all anger and, and, and fury um, against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they be, that they should heat the furnace one seven more, seven times more than it was, it was wrought to be heated. So I'm so, just don't just throw them in there, but heat it up. Yes. See, they first, being, they will not. Yeah, in verse 14, he's being passive. He said, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think he's done. Do not ye serve my God? Is this, is it? Is it so? Yeah. Is this true? You don't serve my God? I don't think he was that passive. I think he was more... I'm talking about verse 14. Shop. Is what, shop. Yeah. Is what the Chaldeans saying true? That you won't serve my God? Because he, he had a certain honor for these. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, look. You got to do this. I'm going to give you another chance. Okay. I, you, this, is, this is not negotiable. So, when you hear this music, bow down. If you don't, then the same hour you're going to be in that furnace over there. Okay. Now, it's true, and now he's mad. He's displayed fury non-verbally with his face being just distorted and red and nostrils flaring or whatever, probably huffing and everything because your, your heart rate races. And he said, and heated up seven times hotter than it would be. Verse number 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, so don't give them a chance to get away, overthrow them, be the strongest ones, go over there and bind them hand and foot and cast them into the burning fire furnace. Then the men came. They were bound in their coats, their hosing and their hats. We don't worry about nothing. We're just going to take you like, we're just going to start strapping you down and tying you up right down, dressed in everything in your garb. And he said, and we're cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fire furnace. And look, verse number 22. It was so hot. Mm -hmm. They had to throw them in there. And it was so hot that the heat just incinerated these men. But Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego were made of the same flesh and blood that these men were. But they went on in. They could have been destroyed before they even got in the furnace. Like these mighty that, men. That shows you how hot it was, and it shows you the preservation of God in the moment. But they weren't, and they were cast down, and he says that, and therefore, because the, the king's commandment, oh, verse number 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They still had the straps and the binds and the ties and ropes on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto him, true old king. So obviously he saw the others get burned up. 
The other three went in. He wasn't even, you know, how are my mighty men? <laughs> my strong. Right. Yeah, I'm so sorry, you know, about all. He didn't care about. Hold on. We threw some people in here. Let's, we'll talk about the ones that burned up for throwing them in there later. Maybe we won't talk about them at all. But did we throw three of them in there? Well, they were waiting for the screams and the shrills and the yells and pleas and all of that. And it never happened. He yes. jumps up and he runs and he says, Did we throw? Didn't we throw three? Bound in the midst, bound in the midst of the fire. They answered unto the king, true old king. Here they are still shuddering because they're probably just undone with what they've seen. They're probably terrified. Don't have us to throw anybody else in because when it's this hot, the person throws them in and loses their life. He answered and said, lo, lo, I see four men loose. Not bound. I see four, not three. Then we do walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. This is a revelation. How would he know what the Son of God looks like? He asked the question. He had other gods he was worshiping. He, he asked the question, which God shall deliver you out of my hand? Come take a look. Come take a look. Come, t- come and see. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Mary, that Mary said, Jesus is in Galilee, and she told them, you know, come and see a man who told me. That was like telling them, oh, you want to know what God delivered? Come on, see. And he went and looked. He said, they're not bound. They're not hurt. And there's a fourth one. They're walking around without harm, and there's a fourth one. And he looks like the Son of God. God knew. Flesh and blood did not reveal that unto Nebuchadnezzar, did it? He asked him a question. <laughs> he asked so you could answer. He said, he said, which God shall deliver you out of my hand? This one that you're looking upon that looks like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the furnace, fire to the to the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come forth. Come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth to the midst of the fire. <laughs> they just walked over to him. Yeah, you want, you want to answer? Now look what he said. Servants of the most high God. He just got this revelation. He's in the spirit now. He's, in, he's, he's really in a moment. His heart is in the hands of God. Remember how we said before he was in, you know, he was that instrument of the Lord. Now his heart is pliable and in the hands of God. He calls them by name, servants of the Most High God. Come forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed. Remember, they, they threw them in the whole coats, hats, everything. Nor the smell of smoke had passed on to them. And then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. And you see, that word was not supposed to be changed. 
<clears throat> right? But he's going to write other decrees. See, this is just amazing. They changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except the god of... Uh, but, but, but their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amidst in against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in all the provinces of Babylon. Amazing. So I wanted to read the rest of this chapter because he asked a question. Yes. What God is this that would deliver you mm -hmm. out of my hands? The one that you're going to worship and be given another decree on in just a few minutes. So he, what did he get saying? He wasn't talking about that golden image no more. <laughs> we don't want to venture off and say all the other stuff, but he, look, he's proclaiming him and declaring him just like Shadrach and Shadrach. Because remember, he, he, he made another decree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's making the same declarations and the same boldness and the same commitment. This is incredible. I'm telling you, I'm glad we cut it off earlier because look at that. We would have went over and that, that was worth going past and beyond and closing out that chapter to see the outcome. Yes. And not just that, you know, they threw him in the fire and they refused to burn. You can leave it at that if you want to. But the, the, the mystery of the gospel is revealed, part of the mystery of the gospel is revealed here. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. Um, he whosoever put their confidence in me shall not be ashamed. It's one, it's one scripture in Romans, I like it said, who can lay any, who can lay any charge? Anything to the charge. Of God's elect. It's, God, it's Christ that died, it's God that justified. justified. And these Chaldeans came and laid this charge against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Which was Hananiah, really a test, had Azariah and Mishael. Yeah, Mishael and Azariah. Mm -hmm. They laid this charge against them. Mm -hmm. and, and, had, and had a death sentence a, a pronounced on them. Yeah, and they said, hey, now remember, you said if they don't do this, yeah, you there's, there's only one thing, there's only one option. They got to die. Yes. So this is a very, very stunning... And I like how God justified them oh, yeah. in the midst of the fire. Mm -hmm. By showing himself to be on their side. Showing him strong. Showing himself to be a very present help in time of need. In time of trouble. I think Psalms 46 said there's a river and God is in the, in the city. God is in the midst of that city. God is in the midst of this fire. To deliver them. To deliver. So, to and get a testimony. This, this, uh, like I said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to Nebuchadnezzar. That the fourth one looks like the son of God. Because to him, Nebo was God. And Naku. And all those were God. Now, I'm going to just reverse all this. Forget about the whole signet ring and the declaration that I made. This is what's going. This is the way it's going to be going forward. Anybody that says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is going to be cut in pieces, and their house. And so now, he's in a place of awe and worship. 
So you take the meanest man on the face of the earth. Nothing but God. But he's an instrument that God was going to use. His instrument God's going to use, but I'm just saying his heart was mean. And he carried out very vicious penalties against people that didn't obey what he said. But the king's heart is in God's hand, but it's the work of the Father. But one thing I like about this lesson is, is and even with what we talked about, um, Esther and yeah. Mordecai, mm-hmm. God uses people. Mm-hmm. He has his people, he has the church, mm-hmm. his redeemed folks that he wants to use. But when crises like this come up, we have to be bold. We have to be bold. We got and to you know have our to God. stand. You have, they, like you said yesterday, they that know their God shall, that shall be bold as lions and they shall do exploits. You know, you have to be bold and you cannot deny God. They would have denied God. Well, what you say? I would never, never deny him, but not maybe with words, but by your actions you can deny him all day and all night. Because what you're doing is contrary. And I think Jesus made that clear when he said, these people worship me with their lips and they honor me with their mouths. But their heart is far from me. And it also shows you just how powerful the Ten Commandments are. Mm-hmm. Because they stood on the first three. They stood on the first three and it's something how the enemy or how that, that setup was those very first three commandments in that very order and they obeyed them. Even at the point of death. Even at the threat of death. So, saints, do not deny God. Not in your heart, not in your words, not in your lifestyle. Whether it means your death or whether it means your, your, uh, your popularity. Whether, whether it means uh, you coming out on top or having to suffer loss. Be prepared. Never deny him. So they refuse to bow. You refuse to bow over something? I refuse to bow to you. worship this world, this world system. Amen. All right, well, we've got another another beautiful lesson behind us. So we're going to go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Okay, now unto him. That is able to keep you from falling and and to to present present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, glory, majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. And of course, we always seal it by saying, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, join us again next week. God bless you. Put this word to action. Thank you.